Hey guys, welcome to the KFO Show. Darren here at Wendell Fishing. Uh, you can check me out here on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, even though I don't like it. But hey guys, we got a good lineup for you. I got Dustin Fitzpatrick coming to us from Connecticut. You can check him out on YouTube. He is the Salty Hunter, and we're going to be talking about a bunch of things, saltwater kayak fishing, um, how to catch we're talking about albies, we're talking about blackfish, um, stripers, all the stuff you can catch up in the Long Island Sound, which is a place you don't get a lot of videos coming out of, in my opinion. At least I haven't seen a whole lot of those. And so, Dustin, content creator, YouTuber, influencer, whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call yourself, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Um, I don't know a lick about saltwater fishing. Um, and I grew up here in the Midwest. You are probably eight or nine hours from me, uh, but I love learning new things. And this is what Kayak Fishing Obsessed is all about, really, is for us to come together as kayak anglers and try to figure out things we don't know um, to be better at and kind of level up our game. So tell me really quick, you do have a YouTube channel and I got I got a question for you. Why did you start that bad boy? I started it because I felt like when I wanted to learn about saltwater fishing, I had to go to so many different places. Excuse my cat. <laughs> I had to go to so many different places uh, to try to figure out exactly what I needed to do uh, to catch the fish that I wanted to catch. Um, so, you know, I was on, you know, this website and that website and reading these different people's blogs. You know, I was doing all of this work uh, to try to figure out how to catch these fish. And um, once I, you know, kind of sorted it out, I said, you know, I want to show people how to do this and make it easy for them. Right. So, you know, so that it's not, you know, a pain in the neck to figure out how to catch these fish. It's just, you know, you know, get this plug, go on this type of day and figure out the conditions that you want. You can go and catch these fish. And uh, so that's really what inspired me to do it, because I felt like that it didn't need to be so hard uh, to figure out how to actually go fishing and have fun. And, yeah. Uh, thanks, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, there were a few channels for me that that, you know, did a really great job of kind of explaining how to do the things. But right. I felt like it was just like so much work to, to put it all together. So I said, you know, I bet you I could put this together in a format that people can digest and take with them. You know, for somebody that even even if they're not super passionate about fishing, if they just want to just go fishing like, you know, once a month or yeah. once every two months and, you know, kind of figure it out. So I wanted to present it in a way that, um, you know, made sense for people that, you know, made fishing easy because, you know, it's a fun thing to do. Right, right. So YouTube is kind of like really unforgiving at the beginning of starting a channel. I mean, you don't get really a whole lot in return for a good year until you get monetized. I'm not sure where you're at in the whole journey. What keeps you kind of motivated? Because people, you know, you, you not only have to be good at fishing, right? Because you need the content to be able to show people, hey, I know what I'm doing. But then you got to turn around and it's just like at the end of a movie where you have all these credits that go on for hours. Like it's your name for every single one of them, right? Right. Um, so, and it creates an incredible amount of work on the backside to try to make these, these shows and get these, you know, a six, seven minute video or hours upon hours upon hours. What keeps you motivated to keep, keep those going? Yes. You're teaching people. Are you getting good feedback from, from what you're doing and what other channels did you watch when you were kind of getting started? Okay. So, yeah. So I'll, let me go in reverse here, uh, answer your questions backwards. But, um, I think, uh, if you haven't watched John Skinner fishing, uh, John Skinner is the, um, He's the YouTube fisherman to watch if you're interested in catching fish in Long Island Sound. Um, that's where I learned probably 90% of everything I know about fishing. And, um, you know, he's just great. He's, you know, striped bass, fluke, uh, blackfish, weak yeah. fish. I mean, he, he's the Long Island Sound fisherman. So I started watching him and, and um, I think that's what kind of made the light bulb go off so that I was able to say, okay, 
I think I can go do this. I think I can go find it, you know, these fish and figure out where they are. Um, so he was the first YouTuber that I started watching. And then I watch, I watch a lot, a lot of other channels like, um, salt strong, yep, yep. which is, you know, they're really big. Um, they, they do a lot of Southern fishing. Um, yeah. So, you know, I just watch a lot of these channels, but I think, um, you know, despite the monetization, which actually I will say I'm not monetized yet. Okay. Um, I, I have you. So putting out content for free. Yeah, exactly. You. you know, I, I think I would still do this if I weren't monetized yeah. um, just because, you know, I enjoy it. And uh, I, I think I have something to offer in terms of here's how you can simplify this. And here's how you can make this fun. And, you know, just sitting down and like grinding through those videos, it's, um, you know, sometimes it's stressful because, you know, I'm always sitting back thinking like, okay, Monday's coming or Tuesday's coming and I don't have a video out yet. Um, but I sit down and I do it and it's fun. And, uh, you know, I'm able to share a fishing trip with people. So, you know, that really makes it worth it. Yeah. Right. I love it. Well, have you ever met? I mean, the Long Island Sound, that thing's 1,800 square miles of fishing. Have you ever met any of the guys that you follow up there? I have, yeah. And um, I, I know you mentioned earlier um, you were looking for somebody that you might want to interview in the future. Yeah. Uh, Dan from Fishing Accomplished. Uh, okay. He's in New York. He fishes the um, also the Western Sound. And, um, yeah, there have been a couple of other guys that are in this, like, Western Long Island Sound area uh that but it, like i said you know there's only two or three or four of them and you know i watch these guys and uh you know it's pretty cool to see like local fishermen up here doing you know what i'm trying to do um that's but yeah awesome. like you said there's only a few of us yeah that's awesome all right we got some uh let me see here got some people saying here what's this guy slender's an amazing guy striper and flute god i come from beetle buns Awesome. Hey, if you guys, if you're on, you got a question for us, go ahead and th go ahead and write question in the chat section so I can kind of uh, see that and we'll be able to ask uh, Salty Hunter here, Dustin, I'll be able to answer that for you. Or if you got one for me, we'll, we'll do that as well. So this is a kayak fishing channel and I know you got a kayak. So I want to hear all about, tell us about your kayak rig, your setup, why you have it set up the way you do. I believe you have a Hobie. Is that correct? I do. Yeah, I have a Hobie. All right. um, my wife bought my Hobie for me. Oh, uh, come on now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. She uh, she knew I wanted to get into kayak fishing. She did all the research for me, and um, you know she bought the perfect kayak. Um, I will say my brother has a um, my brother in law has a it's an Old Town Salty PDL one twenty I believe, okay. and it's um, it's probably the comparable kayak in that kind of like two thousand dollar price range. Um, what do you got? You got a Hobie what? Yeah, so mine is a Hobie Passport 12, 12.5. Okay, so it's a pedal drive. It doesn't have reverse. What? Um, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a Long Island Sound, but for for a guy who fishes lakes all the time, um, not having reverse, and that's the only thing I, it drives me crazy about Hobie is that it's not instant reverse. And I know, exactly. I just don't know if I can if I can go from instant reverse to not having it, and so I don't know. Tell tell me, do you love it? And tell me, what's one thing that you hate about it? If you had to pick one thing, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I really love the Hobie um, for the intermediate price range, two thousand dollars for the passport. You know, it's, it's a really great kayak. Um, but I will say, you know, they're like Harley Davidson. They want you to spend, you know, four or $5,000 on their product. And then every other add-on isn't, you know, it's like another, it's, it's like another $300 for everything. Um, so that I feel, I feel that way about Hobie, but I will say, yeah, that not having reverse is probably the, it's the worst thing about it because when I'm out there black fishing, I'm under these big piers, I'm under docks and you know, I want to go in reverse. I want to kick myself back a little bit. I can't do that. I, you know, I have to dig the ore out and push myself. Oh no, you have a pedal drive and to go backwards, you breaking out the ore. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> you know what? There's an upgrade in your, in your future sometime. 
somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Now that that's that's probably what a seventy-five pound kayak with a bear. It's eighty-five. Yeah. Eighty-five. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have a native Slayer Propel Ten, which is just a roto molded. I think it's sixty-five pounds bear. It's one of the lightest ones they make. It's only ten mm-hmm. foot long, but it's the reverse on the on the on the pedal drive. Oh, I love it so much. What I don't love is always getting caught with a ridiculous amount of weeds. Right. Um, which I, it's my issue up here um, in, <laughs> in Northeast Ohio, just nonstop getting myself into muck and having to change that thing out, especially around like July when everything's in full bloom. And uh, you might not have an issue with that. You're, you're fishing. I think I watched one of your videos and you start out shallow, but you're going out the ledges that were what 40, 50, 60 feet deep. Yeah. Yeah. Typically. All right. Well, walk me around, walk us probably the majority of us, no clue what Long Island Sound really is or kind of the makeup of it so to kind of bring some context to the rest of our conversation about the fish you're kind of catching that bad boy paint, paint us a picture okay so it really starts with spring um you know april is really your first month that you're going to want to start fishing um blackfish or tog opens up in april and that's usually the first fish that i start targeting and um you're going to want to be in, I mean, you can catch them in anywhere from 15 to 30 feet of water, uh, but they are a, they're like a cold water fish, right? So like right now in November, this is talk season too. So this is going to be, um, talk season, I think goes to November 30th. So we're still going to be fishing these guys till the end of the year, till the end of the month anyway. Um, but in April we have an open season as well. Um, and it's that same type of climate where you've got 45 to 55 degree water. So Mm. typically when you see me out in the sound in the spring, that's what I'm doing first is I'm going after these blackfish. Okay. Um, so the, me, pause real fast. Walk me yeah. through, just just focus on the blackfish. Like, what what lures would you use? All this stuff. Take a deep dive for me. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, blackfish. Uh, I think a, you know a lot of guys will say you know they use clams for them. They'll use um, some guys even use squid for them. But I think the best thing to use for blackfish are crabs. Um, Was that the thing I saw in one of your shorts where you're lifting up rocks and just grabbing them with your with your glove? Yeah. Exactly. I watched um, that video like five times in a row. I was like, what in the world? Yeah, um, exactly. it's like awesome bait. Yeah, so no, that's the first thing we do as soon as the snow melts, as soon as things get warm, is we go black fishing. Right. And um, yeah, you just flip rocks. If you if you've got like any shoreline along, you know, in the northeast, you flip these rocks over um, at low tide, and you'll find these. Um, you know, it's an invasive species, but there's these Asian shore crabs. And that's what those are. Like there's you flip the rock, and like a hundred of them just went scattering. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. I wish I had that video. Anyway, go check them out. It's one of the shorts. You can check them out. Just lifting rocks and just grabbing Asian shore crabs. I didn't know those existed until this moment. Yeah. And I mean, you're only going to catch, you know, 15, 20% of what you see because they're, they're super fast. Uh, but, you know, you get in there, you scoop them up, you get them, you put them in a bucket. And um, they're like such a native species that, you know, the blackfish, are, they're very used to, to having them as a, a part of their food source. Mm. Um, so you can use the Asian crabs or you can do uh, uh, green crabs are really popular as well. Um, which is again, another native species, you can't catch them as easily. Uh, but guys will go to bait shops and they'll buy green crabs. Like if you walk into a bait shop in the Northeast and you say, I'm going black fishing and I want crabs, you're going to get green crabs. Um, so they're a little bit bigger, but I actually have a jig here, uh, from wet side tackle, uh, who is, a, it's a company that I use, um, exclusively for blackfish, And, uh, it's just, uh, this one is a two ounce. So it's just a weight with yep. a hook and, you know, I'll put, two, maybe three Asian crabs on that hook hole. You just drop it down. It sits on the bottom and you just wait for, you know, a tap, tap, tap. You'll feel one slight tug. Bullet, right. Yeah. Uh, a little bit bigger than the others. And you set the hook. Um, so that's what we're doing in the spring. That's really, um, that's what lights it up here in the Long Island Sound. All right. We have Brian said, I went fishing for blackfish OC Maryland at the inlet. Use green crabs for bait. 
and bolts for sinkers due to the fishing in the rocks. Yep. All right. Thanks, Brian. Love it. Yeah, that's um, funny too. A lot of guys will use um, just like a dropper rig. They'll throw a. Um, I know in freshwater they use dropper rigs a lot too, but in saltwater we'll um, we'll tie a uh, you know like a bank sinker to the bottom of your line, and then um, a hook maybe a foot above it, and you can put you know same kind of thing. You just put the crab on the hook, you drop yeah. it down, and um, you know it works just as well. So, I prefer jigs, but I mean you can do it both ways. Why do you use that company only? So I started using. Are they buddies? <laughs> yeah, well, no. Oh, they're, there you go. <laughs> they're buddies. Westside Tackle, uh, they are buddies. But, uh, you know, I've, I've never actually met the guy in person. I've only used his jigs. And uh, I used, you know, a handful of other companies before him. And I found that my hooks were getting dull really quickly. Um, you know, I'd catch two or three fish and then, you know, I had dull hooks. And, uh, you know, he sent me a sample pack of these jigs. And um, they're Mustad Ultra Points. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I just find that they stay sharp for a really, you know, I can get through a dozen fish and these hooks are still like razors. Um, and they also glow. I have a custom color that is um, to glow crab guts. Uh, you should definitely check these out. They glow in the dark, so it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, blackfish can't see very well. They mostly rely on their scent for figuring out where bait is. So okay. anytime you can add a little bit of glow or a little bit of, you know, flash to your bait, it, it, you know, it definitely helps. So right. I've been... Uh... I've been kind of goofing around while, you know, it's kind of getting toward the end of my season. Um, oh, it hurts a little bit to even think about, but I was goofing around with some glow in the dark baits toward the end for bass. I'm mean, having a little bit of luck with them. Um, some jigs I was, I was running, but I, we had uh, last week, the long lures on the show and they're talking, they have this one lure. They're saying, you know, for us, you know, 15, 20 feet, that's pretty deep in some of the lakes from up here in, in Northeast. And so once you get down that deep though, not a lot of light getting down there. And mm -hmm. so they're saying I have a lot of luck with their, their glow in the dark lures. I'm like, you know what? I need to try that out come, come spring. Um, yeah. Some of those deeper areas of the lakes that I fish because it might just be, it, it's a lot of time. It's just that little nuance of glow, or like you said, like that flash, little wee bit tiny spinners on our crankbaits, um, you know, willow leaf blades that might only be half inch just to get that little extra to get those bass to bite up here in the Northeast. So I totally yeah. understand what, you, what what you're talking about there. Yeah, it really is amazing, like how much of a you know a small change will make the the you know the biggest difference. Yeah. All um, right. Let me see. Let me see here. All right, we got we got some questions going back to when we we're talking about our YouTube channels. Uh, this one comes in from JC Travels. Hey, fellas, any advice on getting started on YouTube? I moved to Baja, California, um, where saltwater fishing is year round, and I have an autopilot 136. Right on. Get yeah. yourself a yak. Love it. Um, as someone. Um, share a little bit about your YouTube channel, kind of how many subs you got, how many views you got, and so that kind of gives some context to your answer, and I'll answer it as well. Sure, yeah. No, I'm like, very new on YouTube. I've only been doing this for, you know, since um, I think July this year, so I'm, I'm on, like, less than six months in. Uh, so I would definitely say just keep putting content out, no matter what you're doing. Like, you're going to learn from everything that you put out. So every new video that you make, despite whether it gets you know 10 views or 50 views or 100 views, like it doesn't matter just keep putting that content out pay attention to that content and see what you can learn from it see how people respond to it and you know above all else make yourself happy with that content make sure it's something that that you know makes you proud and that you enjoy and if you think that it's serving the purpose then you know just keep putting that out because that i mean that's what the youtube algorithm wants it's looking for you to put out content on a regular basis mm. so if you can keep doing that eventually you're going to get there i think yeah JC, I'll answer this for you. And you also said, hey, you watch all my vids from Hope State. All right, Ohio, my man. 
Yeah. Much love, guys, from my home state. Um, JC, I, I've been doing it since January of 20, I think 2020. And you're, you're first or your worst, right? I always say you got to be, I, I follow this guy, um, Think Media. If anybody asks me ever, how, how do you grow a YouTube channel? I always send them over to Think Media. And I was like, do exactly what they say and you'll grow your YouTube channel. Um, they always say you got to be a disaster before you're the master. Um, and so your first hundred videos, they're going to suck. They're just going to suck. And I'm so, sorry about that. You're not even doing <laughs> first hundred videos, <laughs> but you get to the end of them and you'll be like, Oh, those are so cringe. You'll look back on them and be like, Oh, I can't believe it, but I can't believe where I'm at now. And Brandon, uh, do outdoors. She just said, um, here we go. Wendell just made a video of 90 shorts in 30 days. So I did 30, I did an experiment because shorts are crazy right now. Right. And so YouTube is really, they've actually absolutely killed my longer form videos mm -hmm. and they're only really pushing shorts right now to compete with TikTok and all the reels. Everybody knows this. No surprise. Um, there's a short shelf every, you know, every swipe. It seems like when you're on a YouTube yeah. um, platform. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll play the game. You, you, you got to play by their rules, right? We're using a free platform that YouTube provides for us. And so I'm going to go all in on, on shorts for, for 30 days. I'll do one in the morning, one in the evening, and one in the afternoon. I'll just go hard at it. So if I remember my numbers correctly, and you can go watch the video. It's one of my recent videos If afterwards to get some more details on it. But essentially what the results were, I had a baseline the month prior to doing this. And my baseline was um, I had like 8,900 hours of watch time and 106,000 views. And after the one month of posting three shorts a day, I had 1.1 million views. But here's the key only 9,000 watch hours. I only grew by 100 hours of watch mm -hmm. time, but 1.1 million, but my subscribers went from like a thousand to 3,200. So if you're a young creator, this is my, this is my advice to you. Shorts right now, create shorts, many shorts, because they're giving, they're giving away reach right now because they, they have more people consuming shorts than they have shorts available. And it won't always be that way. So if you want to grow your subscriber base really quickly, run your shorts, dial that, dial that way of content creation in until they change your al algorithm back up again and kind of really start pushing the longer form content. And I relent. Um, that was quite the, the run on there, but Hey, let's, let's take it back to Dustin here. Dustin blackfish talked about that a little bit. Um, tell us about, I saw a video. You said, tell me how you catch Albies. What are they? <laughs> First. Oh, and I, I guess there's a short amount of time frame because those things, they're migratory, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right, here, walk us, walk us through these. So where I am in the Western sound, we get Albies for like two or three weeks. Like mm. that's all you get. So you have to be waiting for them. You have to be here to catch them when they get here. Um, but I think I remember I asked my buddy the other day, I was like, why are Albies called Albies? Um, you know, and it's short for false albacore. And, um, you know, he's like, you know, what he told me was it, it's not an albacore tuna. It's a false albacore tuna. And you, it's a false albacore tuna because it tastes like crap. You don't want to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he said to me. Um, they're also known as uh, little tunnies. Um, but yeah, it's, it's essentially, it's like a species of tuna, but it's also kind of like a mackerel. So it's okay. kind of a cross between the two. And, um, but you know, if you were to look at one, you're like, okay, that looks like a little tuna. So that's you know that's essentially what they are and they're just uh they're one of those game fish that we get here in uh long island sound that's just an absolute blast to catch because they um man i think pound for pound they fight harder than any other game fish you're gonna find in the northeast all right and uh a lot of guys come out and they'll catch them on flies uh which is you know <laughs> i've not fly done fishing yeah exactly the fly fishing um, all right 
which is a you know that's a whole other ball game. But even for um, you know when we're flowing, when we're throwing jigs for them, it's uh, they're hard they're hard to catch. You really have to know where they're going to be. Uh, and if you watch my videos, you'll see that um, you know it just it looks like the water's boiling when you find them. Uh, but you know if you come up on them too quickly in your boat, they're going to disappear. Yeah, they're gone. Um, so, in, you know, that's one of the advantages of, um, I'll be fishing from a kayak is that you've got stealth on your side. Right. Um, so you can get up on them and, uh, how you, know, you locate them. It's, it's like, you just look out for the birds and bait fish and all that stuff. How do you, how do you get, how do you get on them? Yeah, that's, that's really the way to do it is you want to be looking for, um, you want to be looking for birds diving on bait and, uh, you want to just be watching the surface of the water. Uh, it's really hard to find the fish on a day where if you've got wind over 10 miles per hour. And um, if it's a little bit choppy on the surf, like you're not going to see them really well. Uh, but I remember a day and um, I think it was early, it was mid-September we were out and, um, you know, it was like glass in Long Island Sound. And, you know, we would look around and we would see a blitz pop up and, it, you know, the water just looked like it was boiling. So we, oh, wow. we would go over to that, we'd catch a couple of fish, we'd get them to the boat. And then, you know, we'd all look at each other and be like, okay, which one do we go to now? <laughs> and you would just see these blitzes all around. Um, so you, you, you kind of have to chase them. They're, they're one of those fish that you can't just like blind cast for you. You've got to really know that they're really in get the on them. Huh? So you're not, you're not catching these things from the shore anywhere. You got to go out. No, you can do it from the shore. I wouldn't say to do it from the shore where I'm at in Connecticut, right. um, but there's a lot of places in, um, off of Long Island. If you're closer to the ocean or in uh, Eastern Connecticut, a lot of guys will go out to the shore because I mean, there's still straggler albies available up in uh, you know stonington connecticut and up near the the mouth of the sound you guys are up there right now catching them every day uh but where i'm at you know they never came that close because it, and let me explain the, where i am in the long island sound it's interesting All right. but, so the ocean water flows into long island sound on the uh, new york side mm -hmm. so if you're looking at a map you'll see new york down here and it flows in and um then you've got the pocket of the sound that's where the dirtiest water is and we've also got a lot of freshwater runoff from the rivers that we have. Okay. So in that pocket, we've got diluted salt content and we've got murky, dirty, polluted water. And then as it flows out on the uh, Connecticut side, uh, that starts to clean up a little bit and you get an increased salt content and things get better. So basically what I usually tell people is that the further west you are in the Long Island Sound, uh, the worse the fishing is. The further east you go, the better it is. Got it. Clean water. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm further west. So everything for me is um, it's a little bit shorter time frame in, in terms of albies. Like I said, I think we had them for maybe two and a half, three weeks and then they were gone. Yeah. If you go on vacation, you you missed them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're very is, is short it, amount of time. Is there a way to like track them? Do they track these fish? So you can kind of see when they're rolling through. Is there a way to track? So there's a lot of efforts going on right now in terms of uh, tracking the migratory patterns of albies because we don't know a lot about albies in terms of a species. Um, you can catch albies down in Florida. And um, to this day, we're actually not sure if it's the same species of fish. Um, so they're tracking these fish. They're trying to figure out what, um, you know, what the migratory patterns of these fish are. So, you know, on a regular basis, there's, there's, there's um, programs happening right now where you can tag these fish, you can release them. And we, you know, we try to figure out like, is this fish going to wind up in Florida? Is it not going to, is it the same species? So, I mean, we really, in, in terms of all species of fish that we have here, I think albies is probably one of the ones that we know least about in terms of where they're going to show up. But, um, <laughs> I just call my buddies. I'm <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you know, are the albies coming in? Like, are they here? <laughs> you have a bunch of buddies. You have a bunch of buddies who have boats. See, right. I see your kayak fishing videos. You're like, Oh, I'm out in my buddy's boat. And every time I watch your video, it's a different buddy's boat. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a, um, it's a really big plus. Um, 
it certainly gets me on fish. I, like I always say to people, like if you want to catch fish, buy a boat. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, because surf fishing and kayak fishing, it's a, uh, it, it, it puts in an increment of challenge into, into the entire experience that, you know, if you had a boat, it wouldn't be there because you can just find the fish. So, right. Right. So you, you've, we, we talked just a little bit, uh, not a whole lot, but you're, you've done it all, right. You've done the, the surf, the wade fishing, all that, right. Yeah. That's how I started out. Actually, I was doing uh, surf fishing. And then your wife felt bad for you and bought you a hobby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's my wife awesome. is listening upstairs. I, I just want, that's one to, you know, just throw that out there. Right. <laughs> Give her the extra Christmas credit. is around the corner and <laughs> a new, there could be a new kayak in my future. Um, so <laughs> right. I, I, I don't, I don't fish anywhere up where you fish. Walk me through the difference between like, obviously wade fishing. How far can you get out where you're at? So you can get out probably 150, 200 feet. Oh, all right. That's more significant than I thought. Yeah, no, you can cover, you can cover ground. Um, I use a, um, it's a 10 foot, nine inch, uh, tsunami salt X. Um, and I've got it paired with a van stall, um, BS 200. Yeah. You could have made something up anything right now and said it. And I would have believed you. <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like a surf caster setup. Got it. So it's like, it's what these guys are going after. If they're like, we need to cover distance. We need to reach these fish. They're not running along the lip of the beach or like right close. We got to figure out how to reach them. Are you um, one of those guys who like sends them out on drones or shoots them out in ice? I, I wish I had a drone. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, there are guys, there are totally guys. You'll see guys all the time on the beach that they'll like, they'll tie their bait up on a drone and they'll yeah. just send it, right? And I, then, I, need uh, to, see, I have a drone up here. See it up there? There it is. Oh, yeah. I need to get that thing working for me. Um, not super helpful. I usually can reach all the places I need to go. Yeah. All um, right. So walk. Oh, sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, I was just, you know, surf fishing here in the Northeast is really a, um, it's kind of a cult. It's kind of, um, you know, it's its own thing. And if you're into it, uh, there's a few rules that you follow, but, uh, you know, it's hard fishing. It, you know, it's, uh, there's some like really specific gear that you have to have to do it. But um, uh, it's, you know, it's rewarding when you hook into a 30 pound striper. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it pays off. Yeah, that's a, that's a sleigh ride right there. That's what I call those. Oh man, that's awesome. All right. Uh, JC had a question. You've just, Dust, it's Dustin. I, I have a lisp, so I might have said Justin. Dustin, right? Cool. Yeah, Salty Hunter. Uh, and check him out over there. Also, Brandon. I thought this was interesting. He's gone eight miles offshore in his old town, 132. Um, that's pretty far out. That is. That's like <laughs> twice mean, as far as I've ever gone. Man, that is uh, – I, I, he has a motor. I, I've talked to him before. He has. I think he has multiple motors. Do you have a motor on yours? I don't. No, I don't. I can go like four or five miles per hour. That's my max. That's pretty fast. Yeah. I didn't realize how, how fast those, uh, what do they call those, Mirage, Mirage uh, yep. pedal things. All right. Although well, I talked to a friend recently who um, he was interested in getting the um, the Old Town Autopilot, which yep. I'm also like, interested in um, for the Minn Kota and the, the, um, the spot lock and all of the great features that it offers. But he told me that, you know, he said, I only get about three, three and a half miles per hour. And that, you know, my heart kind of sank <laughs> when I heard that. Cause I was like, you know, you spend like $3,000 on a kayak plus a thousand dollars on a battery and your, your, you know, your extra stop. And it's like, you can only go three miles an hour. Yeah. I want to, I want to go five to six. That's what yeah. I feel like a motor and a kayak should be able to take you and not burn your battery. It should be able to go out for a good fishing trip. Right. Like I can't chase Albies at three miles an hour. Like <laughs> I gotta no. be able to move. You always look at them just, just over the <laughs> next couple hundred yards. Right. Oh man. <laughs> All right, you catch more than Albies. Uh, walk me through fluke, bluefish, 
Um, I've seen some videos of you doing, you, you catching some of those. Um, no, not fluke. What am I talking? Founder. Founder is what I was trying to say. Yeah, no, we, it's, just, it's, you're, you're totally right. Um, up here in the Northeast, we call them fluke. Right. But it's, it's a summer flounder. Got it. I've gotten in arguments with people about this, so I'm just going to say it right now. It's a summer flounder. We call them fluke, but it's totally a flounder. All right. How do you, how do you get those? Cause I, that's the video I kind of watched recently of you hopping in your kayak go in 30, 45 minutes before you can actually even start fishing. So I don't, I'm that that's bizarre to me too. Cause I'm usually at my spot in 10 minutes or less, but uh, walk me through how you identify where they're at, what you use, take a deep dive for me. Okay. So uh, let me, let me preface this by just saying that fluke fishing is my favorite fishing of, you know, any saltwater species. So I probably put more work into figuring out how to do this <laughs> than I need to. All right. But when I go out, I've learned that, um, you know, fluke, they're very opportunistic feeders. So they're staging up in areas and they're waiting for bait to come by. They're not, um, they're not super predatory like bass or bluefish where they're, they're covering a lot of ground, right? So they stage up in areas, they wait for, you know, bait fish, squid, spearing, whatever you have locally to come by. Um, so what I normally do to figure out where they're at is I'll just look at, um, there's an app that I use called Navionics. Okay. And Navionics will show you the um, the bottom structure of any given area that you're in. And I will just look for any any areas that have contours. So I'll give you an example. There's one spot I like to fish that's got a really nice contour from about 15 to 40 feet down. Okay. Um, got over, nice, how, over how long? Yeah. So you've got like a nice ledge. And then that ledge will continue for, call it, 100, 200 yards. Okay. So it's a really nice drop off. And it creates what I consider a really nice drift. And for catching these fluke, moving is extremely important. Like cover, like moving at the right speed. If you're just drift fishing and you're not moving, you're not going to catch them because you're not covering any ground. You've got to be constantly moving. Um, so it, it's just one of those things for me that like I spent so much time figuring out. You've got to have the wind. You've got to have the weather. You've got to have the tide moving in the right direction. Uh, so I'll get out there on the water. I'll put myself on the spot and I'll say, okay, I've got a, you know, a 0.7 mile an hour drift. I'm yeah. moving Southwest and, um, you know, I'll find my ledge and I'll put myself in a spot where the, the current and the wind are going to push me in the direction across that ledge that I want to be. How long is this ledge? Uh, like, you know, like I said, it could be 100, 200 yards. Okay. You don't have a lot of room here that you're, you're over the, you know, you're through that prime fishing spot in a short amount of time then. Yeah, exactly. You'll have like five minutes okay. about. And then, um, you know, and that's the amazing thing about pedal kayaks is like, once you hit the end of it, move yourself back up, drift it again. Um, but you find these spots that you want to drift fish. And um, for fluking, I always use a bucktail. Uh, I'll tie on a bucktail. I'll put a teaser above it. Um, and I use gulp. I'll put okay. a gulp, uh, like a four-inch gulp grub on the um, on the bucktail. And then I'll put a either a four-inch gulp grub or a swimming mullet on the teaser. And... Um, I think the really key thing about catching fluke is just to have lots of action on that rig. You want it to be moving. You want it to be, you don't want to be exciting for those fish to see. Um, the traditional method of catching fluke here, uh, at least in the sound would be guys will just drift squid. Okay. And, um, they'll basically troll it and you know, it works. Do you pop okay. it or just let it, just let it run. Yeah. A lot of guys will let it run. I remember the first time my uncle ever took me fluke fishing, which was probably like 15 years ago. Um, he, you know, he would just tie, you know, put a strip of squid on a hook and he would just troll it along the bottom. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that's how a lot of guys would catch fluke. And uh, I know I mentioned John Skinner in the beginning of this video, but again, his videos really changed the way I thought about it. I've seen a lot of underwater footage about how fluke will react to a bait uh, that's moving and has a lot of action as opposed to, you know, a piece of squid that's just moving across the bottom. They, they're they much more interested in that, um, in that really rapid action. Right. So that's the method that I employ and I'll, you know, I'll find a ledge, I'll find structure. I'll make sure that I've got wind and current moving me in the right direction. And I just bounce that along the bottom and I'll move along and I'll, you know, continue that rapid action. And the, um, the fluke just can't resist it. So, so when you're popping, it's just like pop, 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 like that kind of cadence. Three times faster. Oh, really? Pop, yeah. pop, pop, pop. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you'll have, um, I don't have a bucktail here, but yeah, you'll have a bucktail on the bottom and then a teaser above it, maybe a foot or so. Okay. And uh, those guys are just like, you know, <laughs> crazy too. yeah, you're putting a lot of action on that. Um, so they're really bouncing along the bottom and those gulp grubs, they've got, um, you know, curly tails on them. Yeah. So you've got a lot of action coming out of those tails and um, yeah, no, you want that thing to be moving and, you know, every now and then if you're not getting hit, you know, every 60, 90 seconds or so, you know, give, we typically will give the rod a lift, let it drop back down. But then we start jigging again. Okay. It's a pretty rapid jigging motion. Um, you know, a lot different than, than a lot of other types of fishing, but that's, um, in my experience, that's how we target fluke and, uh, you know, it works really well for us. Yeah. So when you take teaser, it's not something usually we, we use in the bass fishing world. Um, what, what's a teaser? What salt, salt water teaser? What's that? So a teaser is just a hook that you've got tied. Um, if you were to tie like a dropper rig, you've got, um, you know, a hook or a jig or whatever at the bottom, uh, a teaser, you would tie, uh, about a foot above it and you've just got another hook with another piece of bait on it. Okay. I gotcha. So, yeah, exactly. So if you had, um, a, a, basically you have two hooks on a rig. Um, so we'll drop that rig down and you've got, you know, two baits about a foot apart. And sometimes you can catch two fish that way. <laughs> what do they usually, they usually hit the teaser or the main? It's about 50, 50. Really? All right. Yeah, it's about 50 50 if it's uh if it's further in one direction than the other you're doing it wrong um so it should be about 50 50. um yeah that, that's the whole point of the teaser and the reason for having a teaser is that fluke is sitting on the bottom and the eyes of the fluke are on the top of the head right so if you're too close to the bottom if you're just bouncing along the bottom here those fluke might not see that that jig there because they're, they're yeah exactly they're yeah. looking up right so the teaser is going to grab their attention. And um, I've had so many instances where a fluke, I will foul hook them from the bottom. You know, I'll hook them in the side or hook them in the belly or whatever. They're jumping at your teaser and you got it's them with your, your main. Ah. Teaser. So yeah, exactly. If you see like underwater footage of how fluke are, they'll just sit there and they'll wait for things to come by. So, it, you know, if your bottom jig happens to be too low, they're not going to see it. They're going to see your teaser. So ah. that's the whole idea of, of that. I mean, Brandon's loving this. Okay, run a teaser. Got it noted. Dang, <laughs> never that never occurred to me. Loving it. Uh, he did ask the question: What color is your favorite bucktail gulp combo? Um, Brandon's up in Maine, I believe, and you grew up in Maine, right? I did. Yeah. All right. I grew up. Um, <laughs> it's not a very good fishing area, but uh, it's the last exit on ninety-five before you get to Canada. Um, <laughs> so I'm all the way north, and. Um, but anyway, no, if you want, uh, my favorite color is white. Okay. White is right, day or night. Oh, I like it. That's there you what, go. Uh, that's what we always say. But uh, no, I'll typically, I'll use a white bucktail. 
And if I want to change the color of the presentation, uh, I'll typically use gulp to add that. You know, I like nuclear chicken. Um, I like um, curry chicken. I'll use um, pink shine. And just to add a little bit of additional color to that hook, I'll use the gulp to do that. But typically the bucktail that I use is white. All right. All right. All right. Well, I have what I have for you now is uh, something I like to call the lightning round. Five questions and uh, one word answers are only allowed. Okay. Here we go. How many times a week do you fish? Five. Five? Holy. We're coming back to that. Um, if you could only fish with one lure the rest of your life, what would it be? Top knock. All right. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Favorite time of the year to fish? Spring. All right. What is your favorite YouTube channel out there. John Skinner. Wrong, wrong answer. Um, we're going to keep moving. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> do you like YouTube shorts? Yes. Do you like creating YouTube shorts? Yes. All right. We're, we're, we're going to come back here five times a week. Is this your, are you full time? What's going no, on? No, no, <laughs> I'm not full time. Do you literally, you literally get out five, do you live on the water or something? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm five, I do like a five minute drive from the ocean. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what, exactly. What's like I went out today. I'm, I'm learning to fly fish. Um, okay. I know nothing about fly fishing. I'm like, I'm terrible at it. Um, but a good friend of mine is like, you got to learn to fly fish. Like catching striped bass on flies is amazing. So like uh, today from like 1230 to 130, I snuck out. I had, you know, I had some time, you know, I drove five minutes to the water working on my fly cast. Um, but yeah, I'm really close. So if I want to take an hour or two hours to go fishing, I'm, you know, I'm lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. I love it. If you guys got a question for Dustin, and if you haven't done it yet, please help me out. Hit that like button. Helps these videos get a bunch of replays. Um, we'll have 20, 30 people on the show at any given time, but then um, we'll get hundreds and hundreds of replays. So help me out. Hit that Hit that down there. Um, all right. I had a couple other questions I wanted to bounce around here. What did you say? Um, one fit, If you want to fish one lure, what did you say? It, it's, I said top knock. Um, what the, what's, it, what's that? So that's the Yozuri top knock. Um, okay. Yozuri is pretty common in freshwater, right? Uh, I mean, I, I see them in some of the specialty shops. It's a Japanese company, correct? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. They got some nice, nice lures, solid hooks. As far as like, I only have one shop. It's Fin Feather and Fur here in town. I actually sells Yozuri. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yep. So this is my like. Um, <clears throat> I, I like to call it my trust bait. It's what I throw. Um, it's almost like my fish finder. Okay. If I'm looking for bass or bluefish. And I'm not exactly sure where they might be staged up. Um, this is what I'll throw. And um, the the primary bait fish we have here, uh, where I fish anyway, is bunker. And it just does a really good job of imitating that bunker profile. Um, and, it, 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 you know, it's a spook. You walk the dog with it, and it does its thing, just like any other spook you might use. And um, it just catches fish. Uh, it, like, it's, it's the first thing out of my surf bag. When I walk to the ocean and I throw a plug, this is what I'm throwing. Um it's one ounce, it casts really well. Um, it can, you know, it'll cut through wind. It just like, this is my favorite plug. If I want something a little bigger. Real that, quick, do the knocker on that thing. It seems huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I see the ball bearing in there. Yeah. All right, awesome. It, so that it, doesn't rotate. That's just a, it's a solid piece. It looks like the, the back rotates, but I don't know why it would because. Yeah, no, no, it's a solid plug. But I, th I think what makes this really well is Yuzuri, they have a patent on this system and there's actually a magnet in here that holds that ball to the center, right? But when okay. you cast, the ball, it goes towards the butt of the plug. So it shoots like a rocket. So you can get a lot of distance. And then by the, when it hits the water, that magnet will pull that ball back to the center and you'll get, with myself, you get a really good action on the plug. Oh, so I've never seen that before. 
That's very neat. Yeah, so that's my favorite plug. I think uh, I've destroyed more of these than I can count. But they, they look really cheap too. Yeah, they're like ten bucks. <laughs> How yeah. often do you lose a lure on a, on a fish? Uh, so this year I've lost one, two. All right, that's good. Two. Um, the, I, the first was like two a trip. No, 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 no. It's it's not that often. I, this plug actually almost was lost. I had a bluefish come up and take it, and it bit the leader. Okay. So then my plug was just floating in the water. I didn't see it. I knew that I was, you know, I was screwed. I was like, ah, oh, like, you know, bit me off. My buddy who was over in a kayak next to me was like, I see your plug. <laughs> I was like, no way. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's floating there. Yeah, um, the odds of that were in 1,800 miles of open water, pretty low. So I like, held off and I like pulled my plug out of the water and, you know, we're, you know, it was good to go. But, um, and then another lure that I'll use is the, um, this is actually a local company. It's um, Game On. And uh, it's it's a you know really similar plug. It's just like spook style, right? So again, it, for me, it's another trust bait. It's like I know that these work. I know that these elicit strikes from fish, and it, at least in my experience, um, if there's fish willing to feed and you can put this in front of them, they'll take it. Um, so again, it's pretty similar to the Yozuri. This one's a little bit heavier. So if I, if I'm looking for a larger presentation, this is what I'll throw. It's got a lot um, more rattles in it too. I can see the ball bearings in there. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it's a little noisier. Loud. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, got, wait, you feel like you were just sitting in a, a box of lures. What else you got down there? I'm curious now. <laughs> um, and then this is my favorite for uh, springtime. This is a uh, a pencil popper. Oh yeah. Which is uh, this is 2.7 ounces, and uh, this is probably my best casting lure. I, I remember I mentioned earlier that if you're trying to cast. Um, from shore, you want to cover distance, 200 yeah. feet, 250 feet. This is typically what I'll throw to do it because the only thing that casts better than a pencil popper, in my opinion, is a tin, uh, a metal lure. Um, tin is just like kind of shorthand for any sort of like metal, like picture a daredevil, but then like add like four ounces to it. Got it. <laughs> That's what we'll call a tin. But this is the pencil popper and uh, it's got a pretty... Um, pretty specific retrieve in terms of how you bring this thing in uh, but it just dances on top of the water and mimics a you know a fleeing bait fish and uh, striped bass and bluefish it doesn't matter what color it is i don't think in my opinion okay. um they just see that action on top of the water they think it's some sort of uh, you know wounded fish and look after it so like Damn. the pencil popper is definitely the first thing out of my bag um but then i'll throw um a spook also which is a, a little bit more of a subtle retrieve Okay. Um, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's less of a panicked <laughs> retrieve, I guess. Uh, it's a little more subtle, you know, it swims along, uh, it's more smooth. Um, but yeah, between a pencil popper and a spook, I think if you're trying to catch striped bass or bluefish from the shore, uh, or even from a kayak or from a boat, really wherever you are, if you're trying to catch them on top water, those are probably the two plugs that you're going to want to have is a, a pencil popper or a spook. Um, and then if you're interested in catching uh, really big striped bass, I would say who isn't who isn't interested in catching really big really big fish, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, lay it on us. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because there's um you know there's a handful of things you can do to go catch stripers, and you know a few of them are are you know some of the things that I mentioned. But if you want to catch big stripers, you've got to target them because they eat differently, they feed at different times, they're interested in different baits. Um, and then in, you know in terms of artificial baits, uh, this is probably the first thing that I will throw. It's a, a gravity tackle GT eel. Okay. Uh, nine and a half inches and really what it's uh what it's uh replicating is a um you know an american eel so they see this this bait 
And um, I remember a story from John Skinner and he was fishing on Montauk uh, for striped bass and he was using live eels, which I think are um, superior to this. If you have live eels, definitely use live eels because when, when a bass sees a live eel, they're going to take it. Uh, and that's kind of the, uh, it's kind of the moral of the story, but he was on Montauk fishing with live eels. Uh, you know, he hooked, he hooked into a bass, he got it to the shore and um, you know, he reeled it up. It's like dark, it's nighttime. He got it up to him. And there's a two pound bluefish in this bass's mouth. Whoa. That's <laughs> and, awesome. You know, and he took the eel and the kind of the moral of the story was if you put an eel in front of a fish, even if they're full, they almost can't resist to take it. Uh, All right. So, so that's uh, that's what we'll throw for like really big fish in the spring and in the fall. If we're looking for, you know, really large striped bass, we'll throw an eel. Nice. So I had a question here from lost and tackle. Um, that one that had the single, single tail hook, was that standard? Or did you modify that? That was standard. Um, and I, you know, big shout out to game on for doing that because, you know, striped bass are a, you know, they're a protected species. You can only keep, um, we have a slot size here in Connecticut and in New York and in, you know, basically all of the Northeast where you can only keep one if it's 28, 35 inches. And I will say they are delicious fish, but I try not to keep them, um, as regularly as it will other fish, just because, uh, you know, the population over the last, uh, however many years has dwindled and, you know, we're doing our best to protect them. So anytime that you can use a single hook like this, um, it's easier on the fish. It's, um, it's not going to rip the lip as much and, uh, you're just going to have a much better time releasing it. I, I also crush the barbs on all these hooks on all my gloves. Um, so that I do, you know, as minimal damage as possible when I'm releasing the fish, obviously, you know, like if you're, you know, if you're out there fishing, you're going to hurt the fish. There's like no two ways about it. Um, but you know, any less damage that you can do within your control, I think is good. So yeah, these plugs come standard with a single hook, okay. uh, but VMC makes, um, uh, a five aught inline hook that works really well to replace a lot of saltwater plugs. So if you want a single hook, you can just, uh, get yourself some snap ring pliers, take the treble hook off and you can put a single hook on there. Nice. I love VMC hooks as well for bass fishing. VMC, Gamakatsu, Mustad are like my top three. I'll put those. Oh, on. those are the ones. The same. Yeah, same those thing. are the three. I won't. I usually don't touch. I'm like that looks good, but I'm not taking my chances. <laughs> All it takes is that one story of that one fish that bent out or broke your hook. And I, I've been saying this on my videos for a long, long time. And I had a, a lady recently reach out to me, and she's like, "I didn't listen to you, and I think I lost a double digit who who snapped my cheap hook." Ooh. Uh, and that's a, you know, <laughs> double digits don't come around too often right. for bass. Um, I don't know where she was, if she was, you know, north of the Mason Dixon or, or, or south, but she will, you don't, you don't want to have one of those stories that you'll never forget, unfortunately. No. So we all do. But if you haven't listened to me, you're still using Eagle Call or something and you're targeting big fish, please <laughs> invest the extra dollar. We're talking dollars. We're, we're rolling around in two, three, four, five thousand dollar kayaks. And we're like, I oh, know, I think I'll save the money on my hooks oh my <laughs> <laughs> your mind all right we got i can't Brian. Agree. Sorry, what? no what were you gonna say i just like i can't agree with that more because uh, a lot of these plugs like i was saying like the the plug i was mentioning earlier these are top knock um it comes with absolute garbage hooks and hard really? um yeah there's a picture i, I put on my instagram oh, i saw it it was like mangled yeah exactly yeah from a few weeks ago and uh i caught a striper on it and um it totally bent the shit out of, or bent the crap out of the hooks. And, uh, the, one of the, um, one of the split rings was totally straightened out. It was just in like really Jeez. bad shape. Did you land that fish? I did land the fish. All right. But you know, as soon as I got it in the kayak, I sorted it out. I took the plug off and I was like, Oh, bummer. I'm not going to use that for the rest of the day. Um, 
you know, and it wasn't intentional. I thought I had upgraded everything on it and I hadn't. And, uh, you know, that's just part of the game. But yeah, you definitely want to make sure, um, depending on like what company you're using, that they're using, you know, VMCs or must ads, or um, we use a lot of owner split rings or owner yeah. hooks. Uh, yeah, you want to make sure you have good hardware because if it's just like stock stuff from uh, from wherever that's not reputable, like you're gonna you're gonna lose fish. Yeah. Well, we're coming. Can you believe it? We're almost going an entire hour. Uh, if you got a question, you want to slip in at the eleventh hour for Dustin. We'll do that. We got one from Brian here. Brian asked the question: What line do you use with those top water lures? So I use. Um, I typically in the Long Island Sound, I'm almost always using thirty pound J braid for um, for striped bass, bluefish. Um, the only time I ever use like 15 pound is if I'm fluke fishing or porgy fishing, but 30 pound braid, and then I'll tie two to three feet of uh, 30 pound fluorocarbon. Right. Um, and I use an FG knot to attach the braid to the leader. And then I'll just put, again, with, with top water fishing, they're not going to be able to see uh, a clip or anything like that. So I just, yeah. attack, I, I'll attach a, a tactical angler's clip to the, um, to the plug and off I go. Yeah. All right. Solid question. If you got another question, we'll take a couple more. Um, Dustin, I saw you. How'd you get your wife to go fishing with you? <laughs> she, um, well, you know, uh, you know, my buddy owns a boat and he was just like, Hey, like, let's go fishing. And, uh, we had a friend coming and uh, visiting us for the weekend. And we said, you know, yeah, we'll make a fishing trip out of it. So yeah, oh, got her on the boat, got our friend on the boat. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, she had a lot more fun than she thought she was going to. Uh, she caught first fish. She did. Isn't it weird? I feel like I, you're like, how do you know all this stuff? I just spent like an hour looking at all of <laughs> Dustin's video. If you're chiming a little bit late here, um, Salty Hunter, now that you've heard him, this is why I didn't ask you to sub at the beginning. Um, but now that you've heard him, I will ask you to head over there. If you liked what you've heard from him today, give him a sub, watch his stuff, comment. We're a community of fishermen here. And uh, I just love this. Is, was one of the reasons why I wanted to start this show. I am by no means expert at a lot of different things. That's why I want to bring other people who are really good uh, at what they do and kind of bring their craft to the table and share it with the world. Um, because man, it's just going to make us all better. And I just love, absolutely love the community. Um, anything that you want to share that you don't, that you feel like you haven't uh, had an opportunity to talk about yet. I am curious, what do you do for a living outside of fish five days a week? Uh, I'm an auditor. Um, not for the IRS, All right. <laughs> but uh, I'm an auditor for an independent company and we do, um, we do audits on, uh, on companies that are getting loans from banks. So a bank will hire us to do that. So, um, yeah, call me an accountant. Accountant. All right. Accountant. How long have you been doing that? Uh, about six years now. All right. All right. Yeah. Solid. But before and we run out of time, I did want to ask you, uh, as a saltwater fisherman, I know very little about freshwater fishing. I grew up, I caught pickerel, I caught some, you know. I don't know, yellow perch and some bluegill and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But I, I never really got, I had the opportunity to get into it and I'm interested in getting into it. What would you say I need to do first to start and target larger freshwater fish? Larger freshwater fish. I want to go bass or. Yeah, bass. I mean, you're probably going to drop a line in just about any lake and find yourself some bass. Um, you know, if you want them in the numbers and if you're just getting into it, you're like, I really don't know what I'm doing. You, you just want to put bass in the boat. Uh, I always highly recommend breaking out a five inch Senko wacky worm, breaking this thing and just, just throwing it at every piece of cover and structure and your ledges and your grass lines. And you'll pick up, you'll pick up fish in number. So if they're not on the top and I highly recommend also using um, Yamamoto's Gary Yamamoto's cause I, I believe the salt content is around 40% on those Senkos and just the way they fall. Um, they kind of do this um, butterfly action as they go to the bottom. And if you buy cheap Senkos, they just, they just fall under no action. And it's an action to actually drive those bass crazy. Right. And you get a lot. I, 
use it as a target strategy and I let it sit, hit and then you let just wait four or five seconds. And you've got it wacky rigged. Wacky rigged, right through the center. Yeah. Um, with with the Gary Yamamoto's, being that salt content is so high, they won't last very long unless you put some type of sleeve. So I put shrink wrap, shrink wrap sleeve over it. That I, I saw your my, video on that. And yeah, I, that, I mean, awesome. I can't tell you how much money I saved. And it, it, I haven't noticed any noticeable difference of you know getting more hits or less hits. So I'm just keeping my bait longer. Right. And it gets beat up. And I believe that once a Senko gets more and more beat up, uh, it just drives them more and more crazy. It just looks more injured. Right. Um, so let it fall. If they don't hit in the next five seconds, I usually go tug, tug, pause, tug, tug, pause. I do that series of five times. And I know people get all riled up. I stop after five. I, I, I have fished the, the wacky worm style for such a long time and enough time to notice that after five tugs, yes, if I kept tugging into the boat, I could catch fish, but it decreases significantly, um, significantly on the, the, the percentage that I can catch it from five tugs in. They haven't hit it in the first five tugs and pauses. I'm, I'm reeling in as fast as I can. And because I'm, I'm kind of like one of those fishermen that's uh, it's all about percentages. Yeah. Um, and if I can be where the fish are going to be at, um, so I'll, I'll reel it in that last 60% real fast and just keep on moving. Yeah. And it's worked out for me. And will you catch some big ones on, on the, the whack every once in a while? Yeah. I mean, I've caught three, four, fives um, this past year, which is really good where we're at, right? Um, on the wacky rig. And so, and then if they're not, if they're not high in the water column, um, I usually break out a Ned rig um, yeah. for numbers. If you want to start getting larger fish, uh, a lure that I love is the chatterbait, any type of bladed jig. Um, a lot of times, if you watch bass tournaments, this is what these guys are throwing, just bladed jig around docks. Usually what I'll do with the with a, with a chatterbait is I'll throw it out, let it sink all the way to the bottom, uh, whether it's going to lay on top of some grass or whatever, and then I rip it out. And a lot of times when I rip it out, I'll get that reaction bite from that bass. Yeah. Um, but if I don't, that thing is just creating a significant amount of vibration. Right. Um, and so you're pulling uh, in every, anything that might be interested. Yes. And it's right. using it, especially if you got some cloudy or, or dirty water, um, you know, bass, they, they see fairly well. Um, but if it's really murky and they can't see, you want to get their attention in other ways. So I'm throwing usually something that's has a lot of vibration or some rattle to it. Um, but so if you're targeting, if you want bigger fish, um, you know what they say, kind of bigger baits, catch bigger fish. Um, right. You just don't get them as often. So if you want to go out for a day and catch, catch some bigs, you know, you got, you got your swim baits. I'm still trying to dial in my spin bait. Uh, sorry, my um, swim bait. Okay. And I got a river to see 128. Um, and I've yet to catch a fish on it. I don't have many hours on it yet. And I was using it more toward the fall. I need to break that out during, during uh, summer. Um, so hopefully I'll dial that in next year because I want to catch some larger bass. Um, I can kill it with the Ned rig and wacky rig, but just about anybody can. It doesn't require an incredible amount of um, skill. You just got to know a few things. Sure. Yeah, if you yeah. want the fish in numbers. That's what so, I need. So I'm just going to. Fish in numbers. All right. That's it. Wacky worm, Ned rig. And yeah. uh, I put that in the hands of someone who's just trying to figure it out. So they actually want to come back and, and do it. Hey, we got yeah. Brandon over here. I said, hey, heck yeah. You got my sub. Um, love it. Cool, uh, lost in tackle. He recommends a spinnerbait. Um, Lost and tackle. Where where are you at? Um, I just can't. I can't catch a fish. I mean, I've caught fish on spinnerbaits, but I usually put it away. I saw quickly. Lost and tackle in your last live. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Lost and bladed jigs are good in salt water. Have you you've had luck? Have you used bladed jigs in salt water? Jeez, no. We use metal lips sometimes. All right. Um, but no blades with spinners. Uh, we use metal lips, and they're like topwater swimmers. Um, but no, nothing like a nothing like a spinner. Oh well, bladed jigs, um, not not a spinner. 
Um, it's not. No, you can check it out after the show. Um, okay. We'll check it. Just check out Chatterbait. There's a variety. The Chatterbait's the original Bladed Jig. Okay. Um, and then there's been a variety of different kind of runoffs of that. Gotcha. Um, okay. No, yeah. I'll definitely look at a spinner. All right. So Lost really Tackles from South South Jersey. Gotcha. All right. So you guys are kind of in the same area up there. So yeah, he's getting the, about... um, the, uh, the fall run right now. That's where all the stripers are. <laughs> all right. All right. Beetle, um, Beetle Bun says bladed jigs for red drum. Amazing in the marsh. Um, Keith up in the Northeast is good luck to spinner baits. Guys, I need, I need to bring someone on apparently that knows how to do the spinner bait very well or knows how to <laughs> utilize it. Uh, I'm trying to find guys out there to bring on the show who, who where I'm just weak <laughs> in a lot of areas. And so I, I have a lot to learn in, in, in that regards. But thank you, Keith. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. I got one last question for you. Um, who should I invite? I think you answered this already. Next on the KFO show. I asked this question at the end of every one of my shows. And I've actually started some conversations. So I've been booking into the weeks uh, ahead. And so who is someone that you would be willing to potentially introduce to me who you think you would like this type of thing? So there are two saltwater fishermen. Um that I know from like my area of the sound, they're YouTubers, uh, they're, you know, they're excellent fishermen, they catch fish, uh, and they have a lot of perspective that I think would be different than mine. Uh, the first one I would say is, uh, the channel is called fish and accomplished. Okay. Uh, yep. Name is Dan. And, uh, the second channel uh, that I can think of is, uh, Peter Ranieri two, uh, two oh. or three, I forget if it's two or three, but it's Peter Ranieri. And, uh, he, uh, you know, he's an excellent saltwater fisherman too. So, um, you know, anytime I'm out there looking on YouTube, I'm like, just like, who's out here like catching these fish in the Long Island Sound? It's like, these are the guys that I see. Uh, I've talked to them a couple of times. They're really great dudes and um, they absolutely know what they're doing. So Fish and Accomplished, Peter Ranieri, check them out. They have, uh, you know, great YouTube channels and you definitely should uh, invite them on if you're doing another saltwater episode in the future. Yeah, well, I think we got some got some good feedback here on this this show. So if you guys have not yet done that, please go head over to Salty Hunter. Give him a sub if you liked what you heard today. If you haven't yet either, please hit that like button. We'll get get some more reach out of this replay. But hey, Dustin, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I look forward to the videos that are coming out in the future. Hey, everybody, thanks for watching the show. We'll